Starting a three-part series uh, this week, we finished on Psalm 23 last week, starting a little series on, on love, called How to Love. And uh, today we're going to talk about a very interesting part of love. I'd like us to explore what it means to have compassion how to live a compassionate life, how to be compassionate towards yourself, how to be compassionate towards others, how to live in such a way that God's compassion comes from you. So to do that, and and Scott was 110% correct, that all these songs connect to the passage that I'm going to read today. You did, so you would, yeah. So it was a new song, and and we need to get the melody, but what a beautiful song that just says what we're going to read. It's Luke chapter 15. We're going to start at verse 11, going to read to our focus verse for the day, verse 20. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. What does it mean to to feel compassionate towards someone else? To live compassionately towards yourself? But maybe before we ask that, maybe ask the other question. How do we feel about compassion? Because I sometimes think that we, we have mixed feelings when we talk about that. On the one hand, I think we all say, oh, that's wonderful. That's a positive thing. That's something that we need to do. On the other hand, I think it's something that we don't always do. I also think it's something that we don't always see in this world. Just think of the world right now. How much compassion do we see? Do we experience? Many of you that work in the corporate world, is it a world of compassion or a world of dog-eat-dog? When you think of school, and maybe you're a little bit of the odd one out because you're quiet, Do you feel the compassion? When you look at social media, I think it's one of the worst things in the world that ever happened. 
Because there is no compassion. Because you can do it without people even seeing your face and you don't have to look them in the eye. And sometimes it's a difficult thing to find. Spoke to a young mother a while ago and no, she's not in our church, so don't start looking around wondering who this is. I have other people that I know too. (laughs) I spoke to a young mother a while ago, three kids and a husband and Things are not easy. Life's not that great. And and as we were talking, and kind of turned a little bit to the compassion thing, her words to me were, Aubrey, I don't have time to be Mother Teresa. I hardly get through the day. Not an easy thing to find often. So let's explore that from this beautiful passage, and maybe we go home and something helps, something changes. Because as we look at this passage, Jesus introduces us to a God who is filled with compassion. To a God who has a heart that just opens up and breaks open and cares and loves and wants to hold us. So here's this young man, little arrogant, goes to his dad. That's not even dead. And he goes to his father and he says, give me my stuff. I want it now. He makes that into money, he goes, he squanders that, left with nothing, ends up with the pigs in a pigsty. Then he comes to his senses. And he prepares this beautiful speech of I'm sorry and please forgive me and all of that. And he sets out to go see his father. When he gets to the father and Ted, there's a slide for that. This is our focus verse today. Look, Look at this verse again. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. There's the word. I made it bold. And there's the second part. And his father's heart was filled with compassion for him. Notice those two things. When our father looks at us, your father sees you. Your father is aware of you. Your father knows your life, even if you smell like a pig, even if you've messed up so badly, even if you walked away and squandered all that your father gave you, in that moment, you turn, you come to your dad, your father's looking at you, and he says, I see you. I don't see this dirty one with mud all over and smelly. I see my child. And when your father sees you, you see that second part? His heart or his life, God was filled with compassion. There's no room for condemnation. There's no place for rejection. There's no room for bitterness. Compassion. He didn't say, hey, buddy, you smell like a pig, go wash yourself. He didn't say, hey, buddy, you had your chance, you get out the door. He didn't say, don't come with your big, long speech to me now. None of that was there. When God sees you and me and we come to our Father, our Father's heart is filled with compassion. Will you hear that? 
Maybe there's someone in this place this morning that needs to know that and needs to hear that because maybe you took that road away for a while and you wonder, can I go back? Yes, you can. Because now look, Ted, go to the next slide. Look at the second part of this verse. And when his father saw him, what did his father do? He got out the hose pipe and he said, let me wash you off. No, no, no. His father ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Look at that beautiful picture up there. And when you look at that picture, will you see yourself there for a moment? See yourself in the arms of your father who is holding you, who says, I see you. And when he holds you, he's loving you. And he gets the pain. And he gets the struggles. And he gets the loss. And he says, I'm there. And I'm going to hold you because my heart is filled with compassion for you, my child. Will you take that? Because that's who you are. And that's who God is. Can I invite you to walk into that heart of God? Maybe for some of us to, to be able to do that, we need to change our picture of God. Because here's the thing. The way that I see God will influence the way in which I look at myself. Will influence the way in which I look at others. Will influence the way in which I think about life, the way in which I think about death. So for a moment, ask yourself, what is my picture of God? How do I see him? A little story, there's a picture of, of him, uh, a man called Basil Hume. Uh, he was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Archbishop of Westminster, something like that. Uh, he died in 2010. Uh, Basil wrote in one of his books, beautiful story, he says, when, when he was a little boy, I would often visit his grandmother, and, and grandma would say, listen, I have to go do things, but don't you touch a cookie in that cookie jar. Remember, God sees you, and if you take a cookie, you will be punished. And that's how he grew up. And that was his picture of God. God's watching you. You do something wrong, and God's going to slam down on you and punish you. He said, and then he grew up, and he got to know God. And God came in his life, and he thought to himself, you know what, Basil? Actually, if God was there in that moment, when you were at that cookie jar, God would have said, Basil, take two. <laughs> What's your picture of God? My picture of God when I grew up was kind of like Basil's. I grew up in a church, and I'm not saying anything about the church. It's blessed me, and it was wonderful to me, but, but they got something wrong. I grew up with this image of God having a little book. And in this little book, God wrote up everything that I did wrong and every mess I made. And I feared God because I was asking myself, holy moly, when I stand before God one day, if I make it, if the book's not too full, and he's going to open all that stuff up and all of you are going to hear this stuff, I'm never going to make it. So I was so scared of God that I did everything out of fear. And I never knew God. Because that's not who God is. 
And then one day I read this beautiful, beautiful passage in Romans 7 where Paul says, man, I'm this guy who was called to do God's work, but I've got this mess going in my life. The more I try to do good, the less I'm able to do that. Who will be able to help me with this mess? And then chapter 8 of Romans is the chapter of chapters in the Bible. He says, I thank God in Jesus Christ for their, listen carefully, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no book. Because Colossians says there was one. But the day Jesus died on the cross, God took that book with all my sin, nailed it to the cross, washed it in the blood of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't exist anymore. That's the picture of my God. My God that stands, and when he sees me, his heart jumps for joy. And when I come there, dirty as I am, he puts his arms around me, and he holds me, and he kisses me, and he says, I'm so glad to see you because my heart is filled with compassion for you. What's your picture of God? Because that's a real picture. Not the angry God. Not the God with fingers. The God with the arms. That open and hold. But here's the thing. God gives that compassion and that grace so freely. But I have to go stand before him to allow that compassion to flow into my life, to experience that. Stand so that he can just flow it into my life from his reservoir, just fill me up so that I am filled with God's compassion. And when he fills me, that that compassion can just run right over and run into this world and also touch other lives. 12th century abbot by the name of Bernard of Clairvaux, or Clairvaux, or how you say that in French, that's the one language I can't speak. Listen to what he said. Ted, there's slides for this. The person who is wise, therefore, will see his life, her life, as more like a reservoir than a canal. Look at the beautiful image. The canal simultaneously pours out what it receives, comes in, goes right out. The reservoir retains the water until it is filled and then discharges the overflow without loss to itself. See that image? God filled with compassion. And then God overflows and it flows into us and fills us. And it doesn't just run away. I become compassionate. And the more I'm filled, there is an overflow. And it can flow where? To my loved one. To the world. To people who are just as broken and needy as I am. Today there are many in the church who act like canals. The reservoirs are far too rare. You too must learn to await this fullness before pouring out your gifts. Do not try to be more generous than God. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it fill you. Because sometimes we just need... And it's okay to take, because Father gives. 
He'll give all you need. And then when it's full and you're okay again, it can overflow. Because then you can give. Then you're able to give like Father God gives. In abundance of his fullness. Where do I find that? Go to the cross often. Because there at the cross... I can lay down all of those things that block me from being compassionate in this world. My anger, my bitterness, my resentment, my selfishness, my self-centeredness. I can put it down there and say, Father God, you're compassionate. These things are blocking me from being that reservoir. And Father takes that and he washes that away so that I can become that vessel that can bring his change. And here's the thing. You can do that. You can do that today. You can be that compassionate presence for someone today. Can I just say this? To be compassionate doesn't just mean to have pity or to feel sorry for. uh, No. It's Far more than that. The Greek word compassion, I've said that to you before, is splachnitsumai. They believe that all of your your inner being is is who you are. And splachnitsumai says, my my inner being just turns around in me. It just comes alive. Splachnitsumai, compassion means to suffer with. To say, I'm not afraid of your pain. I'm not afraid of your suffering. I want to be there with you. Can I walk with you? Can I sit with you? So here's my challenge. Will you do that this week? Will you find someone? Pray God to send someone that you can be compassionate. Might be your husband, your wife. Might be your mother, your father, your child where you can just let that reservoir of your compassion flow to them. But, but please do this. You don't have to talk. You don't have to try and, and counsel. You don't have to try and give answers. All you need to do is be that compassionate presence. Be there. And just love. Your father also waits for you. And if you need to run, there's your picture. Amen. Take a few moments of silent prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Thank you for taking all of our brokenness, all of our dark sins, all of these things that just take us away from you. And you died there for them on that cross. Thank you for that precious blood. That blood that flows over us and cleanses us and makes us brand new. Thank you for taking away our slave mentality and reminding us that we are children, loved children. 
yours. Thank you for your heart. A heart that's just filled with your compassion and your care and your grace for us. Thank you that we can always run to you. Help us then, Lord, to be those reservoirs that allow ourselves to be filled and then to overflow. And then we can bring the change. Even if we just start in this place and, and be compassionate more to each other. Loving, caring, gracious, kind. Thank you that we may do that, even without words. Just being there. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who fills us, that you are the one who holds us, that you are the one who guides us, that you are the one who teaches us. Thank you for our time together in this morning. We pray for a little later when we get together and we meet. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.